Philippians chapter 4 in your Bible. Philippians chapter 4. If you're like me, we have a tendency to worry. We uh, often think that somehow if we worry, it's going to help the situation. You know, like adding one cubit to our stature. We're going to somehow if we if we worry enough, maybe we can change situations. We don't. We don't. Apostle Paul is in prison now. He's chained to a to a guard on a rotating shift, and he finds himself uh, here writing to this church that we've been preaching for several months through this good book of Philippians. He says in chapter four, beginning in verse one, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, dear folks to him, and long for my joy and my crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. We preached on standing fast already. There was evidently a squabble going on between two ladies in the church. It says, I beseech Yodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord and that unity that's needed in the church. We preached on that back in Philippians chapter 2 as well. I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also. We don't know anything else about him except his name. And with other, my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Thank the Lord for people who labor with us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Last week we preached on this verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Not in our circumstances do we rejoice. But we rejoice in the Lord who's over our circumstances. The one who gives grace and strength and peace and wisdom and direction in our lives. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. The theme of the book of Philippians the book of, is a book about joy and rejoicing. And then verse 5, let your moderation be known unto all men about our gentleness and other people are watching our reactions, how we act when somebody wrongs us. Let your moderation be known to all men. We preached about that. Let the Lord is at hand. His, his coming is soon. He's coming back, and because of that, we ought to live right and do right. And then today, we're going to look at two verses, verses 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word. I pray today for the filling of the Spirit of God, that God, you by your Spirit would teach us, and today use your word to make us more like your Son, the Lord Jesus. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want us to look, first of all, at the futility of worry. My dad got a tumor on his inner ear. Uh, in 1971, I got saved. Tomorrow is my spiritual birthday. I'll be 53 years old in the Lord tomorrow and thank the Lord for it. In my dorm room at Clemson, as a civil engineering student, I uh, trusted Christ as my Savior. My dad, who uh, was a good moral man, let's just put it that way, still in, uh, in need of Christ, uh, came to Christ that same year. Uh, gospel tracts we sent to him down in Somerville, South Carolina, where I'm from. And uh, he got a tumor on his inner ear. He worked for the Polaris Missile Program in Goose Creek, Charleston area. 
And uh, I was off at a Christian training program with a ministry called The Navigators. And I was in Atlanta for the summer. And uh, so I got a message from my mom. And uh, she said, uh, you're going to need to come home. Your dad's going to have surgery on a tumor that he has. When he gets up, he has no balance. And uh, so uh, they found the tumor, decided to do the surgery. And I flew on my first airplane flight back in 1971 from Atlanta to Charleston, South Carolina. My mom met me. We took, took me to the hospital, Roper Hospital in Charleston. And I went in to see Dad, who was going to have surgery the next day. And I said, Dad, um, I... I been praying for you and I've got to ask you if something happens to you on that table tomorrow what's going to happen to you your soul and he reached over to a little desk beside little stand beside the hospital bed and pulled out the drawer had a legal pad in there and uh, just like an old government worker he probably had a pen from the government holding that holding all them gospel tracts that I'd mailed to him and he'd written out Romans 3 23 and Romans 6 23 and all the verses uh, from those gospel tracts. And he said, son, last night I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. 51 years of age, he trusted the Lord as his Savior in uh, August of 1971. And um, so for 26 years, it was non-malignant uh, but, and slow growing, but it left him without any balance. You put him on the ground uh, under a car, he could change the shocks on that thing, the brake shoes. He could do an oil change. He could do anything like that. But if he had to walk somewhere, uh, he had to use a walker or be pushed in a wheelchair for 26 years. He had a little plaque at the house. And uh, I mean, I would hear him many times where he would topple over and fall and just, just uh, scare us to death as he fell. Had a little plaque in that house that said, why worry when you can pray? There's a little chorus in our song book that we could sing, why worry when you can pray? But you know what we do? We say, why pray when you can worry? Why pray when you can worry? Dad learned to pray during that time. We learned to pray too as a family. Some people worry if they don't have anything to worry about. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious. I'm preaching to myself today, by the way. There's a, a lady in, in Houston that she was always anxious. She came to the church. Her son had gotten saved in vacation Bible school in the church plant that we had there in Houston. And uh, she would come ever so often. The boy came on the bus, but uh, she would come ever so often. And she met with me one Saturday, and I shared with her scripture verses. She said she professed to be a Christian. I shared with her. And then later the next week, she called and she said, Preacher, I'm feeling so much better now. And I thought, maybe it's the Word of God, because we know that the Word of God works in our heart and helps us not to to be anxious anymore. And she said, well, I went to a psychiatrist that I've been going to, and he, he gave me a solution. I know exactly what I need to be doing now. And I said, what did he tell you? He said, she said, every time I go out the house, he told me to put a hat on, to wear a hat. And so I got a, had a preacher friend, he's dead now, uh, Blaine Farley. Uh, he, uh, Blaine, Brother Blaine Farley pastored up at 
First Baptist Church, Sterling Heights uh, in Michigan. And uh, he would call me on the phone. And he said, brother, keep your hat on. Keep your hat on. <laughs> there was a teenage boy one time who uh, was always anxious. All the, Every night when he went to bed, he was always anxious. He thought somebody was under his bed. He just knew there was something. He looked under there and he, he uh, didn't see anybody. I told the folks in the discipleship class that there was a boy in Sunday school one time that uh, the teacher had told him, said that we came from dust and we're going to return to dust. And he came to his mom and he said, Mama, come quick, look under my bed. Said somebody under there coming or going. I don't know where they're coming or going. Well, he looked under his bed. He thought somebody was under his bed. And so he was just fearful every night that somebody was under there. And so he went to an expensive psychiatrist, and most of them are, and he, uh, he got some help, and they didn't, he still, every night, just as fearful as he could be about somebody being on the bed. And so uh, the psychiatrist saw him in, in the store the next week and said, son, you haven't been back to see me anymore. He said, no, I found the help I needed. He said, a friend of mine helped me for free. I didn't have to pay anything. He said, well, what did he tell you to do? He said, told me to cut the legs off of my bed so it sits flat on the floor. <laughs> and there ain't nobody under there now. Ain't nobody under there now. What are you worried about? Spurgeon said, anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but it does empty today of its strength. It empties today of its strength. Adrian Rogers says we worry about never getting old and then we worry when we get old that we're going to get too old. We worry about death. I've been a hospice chaplain. We worry about death. My wife died as Pastor Diedrich's wife passed away. Brother Randy Bray's wife passed away. We've all connected with each other through the years as a result of the death of our spouse during ministry. We worry about death. We worry about the dying process, not necessarily about where we'll go. We're worried about that hump, that last little hump. By the way, the last breath down here, the next one's going to be celestial. <laughs> Finally home is a song we sing often about that. We worry about sickness. And Doc... The internet has helped so many people. As soon as they feel a pain in that stomach, they're going to look up something in the, in the, on the internet and they've figured out what they've got. They know exactly what they have. And they meet people, at, at, at neighbors of theirs or friends of theirs, and somebody else will tell them what they got. And they'll explain it to them, even on a senior adult bus trip. You can go on a senior adult bus trip. We worry about sickness. The number one word, cancer, on the prayer list at church. We worry about that we sure know that we have cancer because our back is hurting. We worry about viruses and vaccines and, and money and trials and family and children and grandchildren. We worry about foods. Are we eating too many eggs? Can we have salt again? Are we eating too much sugar? How about carbs? How about the floods that run across your backyard? This week I had four or 5,000 books. I don't know, Linda says you got to get rid of a bunch of them now that you're retired. I had stored them in a 
barn out back on a concrete slab and I thought these books are going to be fine and you know covered from the wind and rain but that rain we had two weeks ago eight inches of rain in that short amount of time I watched the rivers flow across that yard there in Rock Hill and as I've been unpacking those boxes I found that a lot of those commentaries got wet even Brother Comfort's book on the youth crisis I've got it drying out under a fan right now, just trying to dry out because Brother Comfort gave it to me years ago and signed it. And, uh, but some of those books got wet and we worry about floods and floodwaters. We worry about cancellations. We, we worry. We, we just make a list. We've got a list of things we worry about. The older I get now, I realize that dying is not going to be that big a deal. That ain't no big deal. Because I'm going to be a winner either way. If I go or if I stay, I'm a winner either way. I'm going to be seeing my Savior face to face. We're all, guess, guess what? I guess you know about this. We worry about dying. But 100% of the people in this room are going to die if Jesus doesn't come back in the rapture of the church. It's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment, Hebrews 9, 27. We're all heading in that direction. The word... Here, where it says, be careful for nothing. Literally means to be pulled in different directions. We have people who take medication for anxiety disorders. One preacher said, if they would just take the Bible twice a day for one week, then they could give me a call later. What we need is God's word. Vance Havner said, Worry is like a rocking chair. It will give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. 40% of the things we worry about never happen. The bridge that we think is going to be out down the road is usually not. And I've been a highway engineer. 30% of the things that we worry about involve things in the past that we could never change anyway. We need to remember something we preached on from Philippians chapter 3, forgetting those things which are behind. 12% of the things that we worry about involve criticism by others. Bullying is a very serious issue, especially among teenagers and especially on the internet. 13% of the things we worry about are health-related, some of them, when we're not even sick. Like Barney Fife, when they thought that he, they were trying to get him to think that something was wrong with his throat. And he found out he had a uvula. You remember, all God's children got a uvula. And then they kept asking him, are you feeling okay? Are you feeling okay? And if you get asked enough, he said, are you sick? And he said, well, not very. I mean, I start feeling sick if you just keep talking about it over and over again. And maybe I'll worry about it. About 8% people have predicted of the things that we worry about are real problems that we face. We worry a bunch about things that never happen. Someone has said worry is faith in the negative, trust in the unpleasant assurance of disaster, and belief in defeat. Worry is wasting today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities 
with yesterday's trouble. We worry much more than we should. And here is what Paul said. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. My favorite passage in the New Testament on the subject is Matthew chapter 6. And I'd like for you to turn there with me. Matthew chapter 6. Beginning in verse 25, Jesus is speaking and he says this in the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat or food and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap. Nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? We sang his eyes on the sparrow today. He takes care of the birds. He can take care of this bird too. But we worry, we worry, we worry. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? I mean, how, just, you want to get taller? Just worry about it. And why take ye thought for raiment, for clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and they toil not, neither they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. God knows how to take care of his children. He knows how to take care of his children. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, and shall not he much more... Clothe ye, O ye of little faith. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Those that are without Christ are the ones worrying about that. It's not the believer's job to do so. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. And we're going to see in Philippians chapter 4 that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But seek ye first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient of the day is the evil or the trouble thereof. Be careful for nothing. Then he says there's a remedy. Prayer that brings peace. A formula for peace through prayer. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, notice, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God. We have peace with God, Romans 5, 1, through our Lord Jesus Christ, a relationship with him. But for the believer, we can have the peace of God in our daily lives. You said, preacher, explain it to me. It says it passes all understanding. You can't really explain it from one person to another, but you and I that have experienced it know what the peace of God is. He's given us peace in many situations. He's given us a peace that's different than the world's peace. John chapter 14, verse 27. My peace I leave with you. 
not as the world giveth, give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, he says in chapter 16, neither let it be afraid. Isaiah 26, 3, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. Fixing our hearts and minds. By the way, having our minds transformed by the word of God is what gives us the peace that we have. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. One man said, why should two people be caring? Why do we have cares when God already is caring? Cast all of your cares and your troubles and your concerns upon me, for he careth for you. In Philippians chapter 4 here in this passage of scripture, he says that everything, nothing too little to pray about, nothing too big to pray about, God can handle it all. And you say, well, preacher, I don't want to bring that to him. I've already been bringing that to him. Go ahead, by your importunity, keep bringing it to him over and over and over and over again. Taking it because he cares for you. Right after my wife passed away, I was pastoring in Irmo, Columbia, South Carolina. And... Uh, a singing group came to sing for us and they had known Barbara. And of course, we had uh, ministered together for many years, had been married 36 and a half years. And uh, one of the ladies said, I, I have a song to sing for you tonight, preacher. I'm sitting on the front row and she sang, he cares for you, he cares for you, he ever loves and cares for you. He'll do what no one else can do. For Jesus cares for you. I'm over there with my handkerchief out. I'm wiping my eyes. I was so thankful there's a God who cares for me. When no one ever cared for me like Jesus, he cares. Casting all of your cares all of your worries and all of your cares upon him for he careth for you. So by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let our requests be made known unto God. Someone shared with me years ago just in my early days as a Christian as I said tomorrow will be 53 years ago but shared for me, with me that as I pray that use the pattern of acts A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, which goes right along with this passage of scripture. Pray with thanksgiving, thanking God for all that he's done. We make a list of the mercies of God and how he's shown himself strong and the provisions he's made in the past. And when we do that, what are we worrying about? If he could take care of that back there, he can take care of this situation. Adoration, confession, Thanksgiving and supplication, Acts, A-C-T-S. And it says if when we do, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep, the word keep is the word to guard. It's actually a military term, like a, a soldier marching up and down in front of a gate. He will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He, we 
He guards our minds. He guards our emotions. He guards our thoughts. Because that's what happens on the day that we're going to worry. We just take the whole day and have our own little pity party. We don't invite anybody else to come. And we worry about things that God can handle. That God can handle. And he says, the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep or guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. As we have confidence in God's faithfulness and God's control, we can rest. Worry? No. Peace? Yes. Committing my worries and my cares to a caring and capable God. Oh, yes, he cares. With right praying, with adoration for a God who is able. Warren Wiersbe says the peace of God does not mean the absence of trials on the outside. It does mean a quiet confidence on the inside within us, regardless of the circumstances, people, or things in our life. It's an inward confidence that God is working, that he has it under control, and he will work for his glory and for our good. Daniel In the book of Daniel in chapter 6, we have a great prayer there. We'll not turn to it today. But here he is facing the lions and he, he prays and he gives thanks before his God. And when he did, that night he could use the lions as pillows to sleep. He wasn't worried about a lion. He was resting in a God who was in control. Be Careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep or guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Worry today? Fear today? Or peace and trust? Let's bow for prayer now. Father, I pray today that if there's one here today without Christ as their Savior, that even during this invitation time or after the service, they would come and say, could somebody show me how I can have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ? And for many believers in this room today that are just prone to worry as we are, Here we're instructed, be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But each one of us, Lord, I pray that we would pray to a God who cares. We would cast all of our care upon you because you care for us. And I pray that, Lord, you'd give us a peace, that peace that is guarding our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God, continue to show yourself strong in every circumstance, many going through health issues today, many today going through financial issues, uh, children and grandchildren issues, their own uh, issues of just the stresses of life. But God, I pray that you'd help us to rest in you and a God who cares to cast those cares upon you because you care for us. And then I pray, God, that you'd give a peace that would guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And we'll be quick to thank you and praise you. 
in Jesus' name.